Wily Wanderers, and welcome to Fumble Through, Fumble Fumble through. through, a podcast that has the gestational period of an elephant. Is that long or short? <laughs> Can I just say, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? This is twice now. <laughs> when Brett did it, when he was DMing, surprise DM'd us the last sessions, I'm like, okay, play along, be cool. And now, now Luke's doing it. I know for a fact Luke never DMs. <laughs> True. He doesn't you even know the, the rules. Work, right? yeah, can you imagine can that? Can you imagine that? how cool that would be? Can you imagine? No limits. Yeah. Be the, the you, you want to shoot 17 no, times, you go for it. Dice. Don't worry <laughs> about it. There's no rule against it that I've read. <laughs> my game, my rules. Welcome, wandering Waylanders, to Fumble Through! Fumble Through! A podcast on the precipice of puberty, spending way too much time playing with its wand. Welcome back to the heart of the Fumble Factory for this, our weekly dose of geekery. As always, we have a special spot at our table just for you, so sit down, talk nerd, and feel free to hang out as long as you wish. Speaking of people who wish it would hang a little bit longer. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, and everyone... Join us on the um, Fumble Through Facebook Guild. That's a group on Facebook. Fumble Through Role Players Guild, I think it's called. Is I that right? I think it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice and we can have spot. some nice conversations. I won't talk to anyone on that space. Oh. I'll just respond. If you start a conversation, I might respond. Oh, with that, it sounds so inviting. <laughs> I might. <laughs> I'm a little frightened. <laughs> yeah, everyone's, everyone's out there going, oh, I was going to. <laughs> oh, I do like to engage in a conversation. I just don't like starting them. Interesting. So, left to your own devices, you would walk around not talking to anybody. You know me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Is that, that sounds- work in your line of work? <laughs> uh, most time people, people do want to talk to me. True, actually, yeah. Yeah. Very what? economical of you. I didn't think Fluffers had to talk. <laughs> you always got a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Multitask. <Yeah>. Multitask. <laughs> a podcast on the precipice of puberty. <laughs> yep. I'm giving everyone a challenge today to say that five times yeah. faster. Was, <laughs> especially after some honey, American honey wild turkey. That was not uh, easy to say. Mm. There was a lot of spit flying with that one. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. As was the precipice of puberty for me. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> uh. What a great few weeks we've had exploring the story of Thunderback, Viner, and Sergeant Dunbar, Brass Twister. Brett, you didn't- Sergeant? Sergeant. Captain. Lieutenant? Was it? Sergeant. I don't know. They we flopped didn't, and we, flipped yeah, and- We didn't get that right at any point, did we? <laughs> Sorry, I just had a random thought. Can I just sidetrack the conversation a bit? You know, when in puberty, when hair grows there- Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Is this Weiner triggering you? We're recategorizing ours as men's health podcast night. <laughs> Are Wookiees completely bald until puberty? <laughs> <laughs> they're just bald except for their genitalia <laughs> and they're under us. <laughs> it was really weird when you look at Chewie, though. He's got like a mustache, like a darkened bit around his face, hasn't yeah. he? Like he, he kicked in. Well, how are you going to shave that off? Not quite. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. My, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how my brain this, sidetracked to that. This is a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, make it weird, Lindsay. <laughs> well, quite <laughs> is my favourite response so far to any statement ever. You know, well, quite. <laughs> Brett, you did an awesome job putting that together mm. to expand the imaginary universe that we exist in for such a short period each and every week. Well done. Let's give him yeah. a round of applause. I like to call it the imagination side table. I would just also like to point out um, 
we didn't know any of that shit was going on. That's true. Yeah. The silence was actually stunned silence as soon as Brett started. Yeah. And then there was stunned silence for me because I had no fucking idea what was going on. <laughs> Welcome to my world yeah. of having no fucking idea. Yeah. Like Fake when it I, till you make it. I had an inkling that something might, might be happening, but I thought I was just playing a character in the current timeline, a different thing. It took me a while to get where, what was actually happening. Mm. So it was really good. Me yeah. too. Well, I, I guess the question that I've got for you, Brad, is how did it feel to be on the other side of the screen? Like, it was nice for me to be a player. Was it? Yeah, it really well, was. Why, why was it so enjoyable? Because I didn't have to prep anything. Yeah, good. Um, look, it was- <laughs> It's because the GM was so agreeable. Yeah, because <laughs> 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 yeah. I didn't have to put up with your shit all day. <laughs> I did like being able to just say yes. <laughs> Yes. No. Yes, you can do that. Just roll a dice and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, see, you're a yes and GM. I'm a no but. <laughs> Just without the no. <laughs> how did it How did it feel to be a GM? Look, it was good. There was a lot going on. I get why sometimes we need to let you catch up to what we're doing because there's so much going on behind the screen. Look, we shouldn't forget it because you tell us every week, but <laughs> there is a lot going on back there. It was really nice, though, at some points, just being able to sit back and react to what you guys were doing and just let the story unfold and let the world respond to that. That was really quite nice. Having to find an endpoint, having a really hard target to get to at the end of that point was a bit- uh, Shoehorny? Well, yeah, a little. Well, I didn't feel like it was shoehorny. I just had some certain targets I needed to hit and getting them in a time frame. I think the time frame was the thing that was getting me. I was impressed about how things kind of went even without me planning, knowing what was going on. But, like, when I jumped on the tapestry, which caused it ripping, mm. was phenomenal for the fact that we were, when Miles and Reg and Flopsy were protecting a part of a torn tapestry, mm. like- Yes, I'm a puppet master. Yeah, that's I, great. I, I'm just still bowled over. I managed to do 32 points of damage. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now it's once again time for that brain-stirring part of the show where we talk about something wickedly nerdy and don't agree on anything. If you have a- Dicey question for us. Send us a message and don't forget to use the hashtag Dicey question. This week, we ask a question sent in from listener Beck, who asks, what was the most brutal character death you have either had, caused or witnessed? Hi, Beck. Thanks for the question. We have spoken about this particular night before. Um, we were playing Rise of the Rune Lords, and this is the same boss fight. Gather around, children. Lindsay's telling a story. <laughs> that Brett's character- kited around. So what happened with that is he had a mace of um, spell storing and he had in it stored disintegrate. So as my rogue came in. <laughs> Sorry, Actually, so, I didn't even go in. I'm just so happy listening back to this. It <laughs> even makes me happy no, listening No, I remember back. it. Brett's character, this is probably one of my very few, I was fairly new to Pathfinder in general. It was probably like I'd been playing for about 10 weeks, I think. And um, Brett's character had cast some sort of wind gust spell to blow out some fog. I, not knowing what it did, walked into the room, got hit by the wind gust, went flying past the guy. He attacked of opportunity me with a mace that had disintegrate installed and disintegrated me. And that was that was my <laughs> part of the combat. I think my... Character followed yeah, quickly after yours in the same situation on behind, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty nasty. He was a big, bad, awful, horrid man. Yeah, as I recall, that wind wall wasn't very effective <laughs> that day <laughs> inside a containment field of some kind. Yes. 
I can't remember the deaths. I can't remember them. I remember one. Go on. I think it was actually probably my first. My first character death. You always remember your Because first. the first game that I joined with you guys where you were already at level seven, we just it just ended and we restarted a different game. Nobody yeah. died. Yeah. And um, I started off with a barbarian, a human barbarian called Thagrin. And I remember it was probably about the third, fourth session in. I can't even remember if we were leveled up at that point. And the GM, Mikey, at the time, critted the crap out of my character. And it was just instant permadeath. Yeah. It was so much damage. The description was a little excessive as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think those are the ones that stick with me. It's the the surprise. It's not the long drawn battle, and it's you know the the fight of victory. It's it's that moment that all of a sudden you're just dead like that. It, there's nothing else. Like the one that comes to my mind is I I played with Mikey. We were playing brothers. And I was playing a bard and literally just walked past an elemental trap. The elemental, an elemental fist came out of the ground, pounded him on the floor, critted him, and he died just like that. <laughs> just walking past. An elemental fisting. Yeah, just got that. And they're, they're the ones that I remember. I had a paladin once that had the same thing, walked past the choker vine, vine strangled me, killed me in one <laughs> shot. Like, just, <laughs> just dead. The, and they're the ones that I'm like, that was brutal because it's unexpected. It's not like, you know, I, I got my spells up, I buffed, and then I died in Valor like Lindsay did. But it's the uh, it's those, I just walked past, oh, shit, I'm done. <laughs> what about you, Brett? I'm struggling to remember one. There's one that I recall, uh, a character called Jati who died at level 17. After a long podcast recording, his last name was Spinderstroke. Everyone knew him as Flopsy. He was level 17 when he died. Oh, you do play imaginary games. Yeah, I do. What about most characters? I mean, I remember a time when I had three characters in the same game. I was playing D20 Modern. My character died because he was climbing up a ladder, failed the climb check, <laughs> fell to his death. And then the GM at the time goes, oh, here's an NPC to play, climbed up the ladder, fell to the death. And he's like, here's <laughs> he's another one. On the three characters before someone went, you can fucking take oh, ten. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Even I knew that. And I didn't yeah. read rules. Yeah. I've got nothing. I can't. Really? I can't add anything for Justin to say that's not how you answer this question. <laughs> We've all got to have one of these questions like that, right? Uh, yeah. Mine was generate the character with in two minutes. Yeah. I was like, I fucking can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Done. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I've got nothing. Well, you thank you, Beck. Uh, that was good. Oh, I didn't like it. Sorry, Beck. <laughs> <laughs> do better, Beck. Yeah. Come on, mate. <laughs> Step up, will you? Wow, wow. So if you've got a lovely dicey question for us, like Beck, we will fully support whatever you ask of us and uh, we will we'll thank you for it. Thank you, Beck. <laughs> so let's head back to the world of Absalom in the present lives of Flopsy, of Reg and of Miles. A few weeks have passed since the events that took place in the Wedman slaughterhouse. The city, like always, has kept going as best it can. Follow-up investigations of your multiple reports of events have pieced together a narrative of sorts. It seems that all of the issues that the Watch were facing were caused by the Wedman brothers sowing discontent across the district. Though it's not known where the artifact came from, the circlet that adorned Reinhardt's Wedman's head gave him the ability to influence the actions and the attitudes of Watchmen, particularly the ones that were wearing the old-style badges. With the circlet now under lock and key and new badges issued to everyone, normality has returned to the city and the streets are once again their usual safe-ish selves. 
The body of Saloni was returned to the Pathfinder Society in a ceremony held to honour her part in the events at the slaughterhouse. You, of course, were invited and even asked to say a few words as those who spent the last hours with her. Would any of you have taken up the opportunity to speak at her uh, at her interment? Flopsy would have, of no, course. No, no, no. He really? would have. Really? Yeah. Okay. Of course he would have. So how would that have gone? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, we didn't know Selene for uh, very long, but we knew her well. Uh, she was always there to attack when we needed her to. If only she had retreated into the corridor, as I had discussed. <laughs> Thank you, Flopsy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just sleep strike him? <laughs> Yeah, in the middle of his eulogy. That narcolepsy is really kicking off, I think. Yeah. And even looking around the, this wake, there is there is a lot of people here. Selene obviously had the respect of many, many adventuring types, watchmen alike, pathfinders. And, and you get the chance to, at that event, to mingle and rub shoulders with people you've probably never seen before or will ever again after Flopsy's speech. Flopsy will try and find out. Find the um, guild master of the Pathfinders if he can, and have a little conversation. If yeah, the, I guess the the it's it's one of those moments where there's so many dignitaries there. It would be it would be like going to a uh, to a function in the in the town hall and going. I'm just going to go up to the mayor and say g'day, kind of thing. There's a, they're very much crowded around, and they they're right. very you know, in that professional zone. If you're saying it's because I can't get access to those people, no problem. But if it's because Flopsy would hold back because it's not the done thing, then that's not going to stop him. No, they heard your speech and they don't let you yep. go anywhere near. Yeah. 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 As a matter of fact, Thunderback would have uh, would have stepped in front of you at that point and go, come with me, Flopsy. Let's go to the bar. <laughs> ah, drink. Yes, ah, of course, a drink. Good idea. Tessaloni. Miles would already be there if you- Deep. The slaughterhouse itself was revealed to be the base of operations for both the Wedman brothers and a necromancer that you guys identified as Tilly and you later found out her last name was Galego. This group of miscreants on top of sowing discontent within the city through the control of the watch also let loose the undead that you guys had the misfortune of fighting over and over and over again. It was was also this group who stole the fragment of tapestry that you guys uncovered. There is supposition that this was all part of a bigger plot involving something more sinister. It seems that a ritual was cast within the actual slaughterhouse itself to summon the being Skelsgig, whose whereabouts remain unknown and you yourselves overheard them talking about something called the devourer of reason do you guys remember that yeah mm-hmm. sure do we also did not find the rod oh Wolf claw rod. you're way back yeah. now mm-hmm. yeah because, well this is the future mm. not the past it was yeah. the prime rod rodimus prime it was good at defeating omnicron <laughs> yeah yep omnicron. because like we were investigating the murders from the werewolves and we didn't find any werewolves it's true but so, now we think that might be Skull's gig because he's released in the city. Does anybody within the the mix of where we are know anything more than what we've been able to glean about Skull's gig about this the great devourer? Um, the, the, over know, the last along the Pathfinder Society, yeah, over the last couple of weeks, you haven't really gotten into the Pathfinder Society yet. You you've really been asked by the Watch and the City Guard to give reports, and you have been taken off duties over the last couple of weeks just to give your reports. You've helped go through uh, the events that have taken you back to the slaughterhouse and gotten you to retrace your steps and talk you through what happened, so they get a full report. Um, and that's where they've they've kind of identified that that room that you went in. You remember the room that had like a 
uh, circle on the mm. floor that was all mm. ripped mm. up mm. and there were bones in the corner. That was a room that they've identified that some type of summoning magic happened there. So they think that Skell's gig might be something that has been summoned. And it- Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I have an- one more question, right? Sure. Are we assuming from the story that Thunderback told us that these two gentlemen are the brothers of Viner from the story? Or is Viner the half-orc that was Viner's the half-orc. Right. Yeah, and especially, I guess, uh, for, for that point, you know, his name was Vinehard, but uh, you could probably assume that as a child he might have been called Viner. Okay. So, why did he- When was he so grumpy? When? When we killed Recently. him. Recently. Yeah. Because you killed his best friend, Kuzik. And his brother. And his brother and his, and his dogs. dogs. Yeah, he, but he it, kind of explained all he that was, to uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> was very okay, so I can understand why he was grumpy at us, but why was he wanting to destroy the city and stuff because of the watch? And mm-hmm. why didn't he just- Because a guy at- pissed on his toothbrush. Yeah, but why didn't he just come out and rejoin the watch? Like, he was still trying to become a watchman. Like, he was still loyal to his duty- Right till the end. Right till the end. Even, so, even when he was hanging from a ledge yeah. and Volley didn't pull him up but chose instead to attack a bad guy. But also, the, and the bad guys were members of the Watch that clearly didn't want him there. Yeah, but the last thing he said was tell my family. So, like, I assume he still trusted some of us. Uh, well, at least Volley, but yeah. Mm. I, yeah, maybe. Complex people. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, that's the. I guess that's the thing about role playing, Lindsay. Sometimes it's not as neat as you might write in a oh, story. No, no, and it I doesn't sort of package up. Like, but, but you know, I guess I like the discussion of this kind of stuff because I don't think this mm, kind of stuff gets yeah. brought out in role play yeah. much. Is I mean, the shit we do is dark and twisted just because it's a game. We know it's not. But if it if you put yourself in that spot, you well, know, why do you think you might be cranky? Well, as, just, watch? I, as you said, I'd never even thought about volley. Not pulling him up and try and do it. I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. Like he did get kind of basically Volley was the only one that was his friend in that whole thing, and he still left him at the very end. So yeah, maybe that has something to do with it. But and, and well, and but, I'll bring you back to another note you found. Do you remember the note that you found in his bedroom when you found the melted badge? No. The note actually said that Thunderback still resists. So whether or not so he, he's been trying to- whether or not he was actually trying to uh, control Thunderback or whether he chose not to and told his brother that he was trying to uh, control Thunderback, we'll never know mm. because he was raging and, and you brought him below zero and, and then terrible. he died. And he also I has something terrible. still going with the watch because he's dressing all the Zoboards up as a watch. So either that was yeah, but he's dressing them up and being comical like he was taking the piss, right? Yeah. But is that because he still resents a watch or is that just the only thing he knows, like, from- I don't know. I, I, he could have been taking his frustrations out, maybe. My wife will resentment. be listening to this no, and I, be going, like, typical Lindsay, reading too much. Into oh, well, I, don't, hey, I, don't, I think like, it's I'll great. Compa- I can balance out because I'm feeling really terrible here at the minute because I had no idea that was the same guy. Yeah, well- I but, thought Justin was just being lazy and using a similar accent. <laughs> but why Why would you know? And that's that's the thing that you don't know what happened to him between that moment and when he's manifested himself in the slaughterhouse. You don't know why. But what we do, the little clues that he gave you was that he did talk about the watch being racist and the watch being closed-minded and that the watch needed to pay. And it certainly whatever happened to him after those events well, yeah. had tainted Would his have been brain. A 
substantial amount because the character yeah. development yeah. clearly has been and, and whether or not that circlet that he had in his head played a part mm. of that as well. It, it definitely makes Miles stop and think about it more because he had no issues with dealing with that guy. With like, taking from a couple of days from when he had never killed a man before to when he had did his first murder, like, killed, first killed some- First murder? <laughs> well, Are you saying this in the watch house? <laughs> you know, he killed his first, you know, non His defensive action, yeah. And- from that to now, he had no hesitation with the the barbarian and everything like that. And now hearing that story, it kind of reignites all those feelings of, am I doing the right thing? But would you would you have hesitated because no, you not, watched him cut Salonia yeah, down? No, not in that moment. But you know, from from what we've heard from from that what we've heard from Thunderback, he was you know a really nice guy, right? And he was really engaged in the watch. What we yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting that Miles is- He was so is, excited to help people. Right. Mm. Miles is on this journey of reconciling his actions around harm and hurting. Flopsy doesn't give a shit about that stuff, but he's trying to reconcile his actions around not being able to save someone or help someone. He's really taken aback with Saloni dying mm. after, you know, there's a couple of deaths that he's encountered that have been very close to him now, and he's never had that before. And I think they've affected Flopsy quite traumatically. We saw him, you know, elbows deep in Saloni trying to bring him back together. He's never expressed that kind of compassion for anyone else. I think Flopsy in the last couple of weeks has had to do some hard thinking about what it means to have a friend, what yep. it means to have someone next to him. Yeah, he's thanks, th Reg. Well, he's he's thinking very hard about his relationship with Reggie and how he takes it for granted, how um, Reggie's always been there for him and doesn't put any pressure on Flopsy to be other than what Flopsy is. Mm. And he's starting to recognise some of his arrogance, I think. Well, as I, I think being elbows deep inside a dead body uh, uh, that was your companion is mm. is probably going to do that. Like, even, even now I think back to what must that corridor have looked like at the end of that battle. That was, you know, we're talking about a, a corridor that's probably a hundred foot long, 10 foot wide. Yes, they were the dimensions that kept changing in your minds with a cross with a crossroads in with it. But, three 15 foot doors in it, right? But the but the 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 whole thing was you you had 10 dead zombies in there, you had five dogs, you had a an ogre, you had the brother. It was kind It was there would have been a sea of blood everywhere. Like that that is probably something that would in real life give you a bit of PTSD. Uh, and then your characters are just expected to keep going. Some would have called it a slaughterhouse. <laughs> yeah, but it, it does bring to the to the point, and I, I am glad you recognize this, Lindsay, because there was there was part of me that really didn't want the bad guy just to be bad guy. Mm. You know, I wanted I wanted there to be a story mm. because not every bad guy is a bad guy just because. I want to know why you decide to raid the Nakatomi Plaza and uh, what what's driven you to that moment in your life. And there, there is so, something with a lot of D&D games where you're just a bad guy for bad guy's reasons or for something else. Like, of course, he's part of a bigger chain and a bigger event, but what caused him to actually take it out on the watch the way he did? No evil person thinks they're evil. They think it's totally justified, right? Yeah. My actions are just and reasonable. Thank you for recognising that in me. You're still evil <laughs> and shouldn't be part of society, but- <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was a really beautiful kind of moment of realize if I'm hearing Miles going through a kind of epiphanal moment, mm -hmm. Flopsy I think has as well. It's the first death of a companion that Flopsy's encountered. The other one 
he was unconscious for. Oh, yeah, he was too. That's, so, that's you know, he, he, he didn't experience it and woke up a long time later when and everyone else had reconciled it. It certainly wasn't as gruesome of a, no. of a death as well. Like, he didn't see it. He didn't see it happen. He didn't know why it happened. So, you know, it's the first big death that, of someone he knew that's going to Well, I think someone. that's kind of it for both. Everyone really, like, <clears throat> I kind of think um, the cast went in his sleep, if anything, like- we're trying our best to keep you and him going mm. through the night and yeah. just, you know. And he went. So, that that brings you guys to uh, a couple of weeks that you have sort of left to your, not to your own devices, but you certainly aren't on night shift. You're certainly not put on patrols. When you're asked, basically your duties would be to go through through the events and people would talk to you. Thunderback obviously is, is talking a lot and getting the report done is obviously there's a heap of paperwork that goes along with this. Um, people are asking different questions. You probably would have had a member of the Pathfinder Society with the member of the watch come in and talk about Saloni's part in things and different revelations coming together as people have looked through that. So there really there's a there's a, a moment here for each of your characters if you want to do some shopping or some item creation or um, some of those kind of mundane things that characters need to get out of the way. And I don't know that we need to put that, we need to actually role play through that. But if you do want to go shopping, um, a couple of other things also happen on on the on the outside of this. And this I've been looking forward to doing this for a little while because these have been months in our game time that I've had notes sitting there. So the first thing that happens about a, a couple of days after you have settled down, you've got your night's sleep, probably Saloni's gone to the Pathfinders by this point, but we still haven't done the funeral. Um, a package arrives for you um, at the watch house. It's a blue kind of paper package that's wrapped up in ribbons. And as you unwrap this blue paper from out there, you are revealed with an ornately carved wooden box. You open the box up and inside is a, a package with 500 GP. And there's a note affixed to the top that says, a small humble reward for your mighty deeds. Thank you for rescuing Jorick from what would have been a most unfortunate fate. Would there be more like you in the world? The Carpenters Guild. Oh, that's delightful. That's a way back. Yeah, well, well no, well, that's Jorick. Jorick was a um, gnome in the, oh, the basement. Name. Sorry, I'm thinking further back. So, and, and you know, the, the, throughout the time that you were there, the watchmen would have come past. And as the watch have started moving, going back again into their mechanical, people are seeing you in a different light. People are giving you um, pats on the back, saying, good job. Thunderback is obviously treating you with respect. And now he has always respected you guys. He gave you jobs that he trusted no one else to do. And he obviously saw something in you that the GM didn't see. <laughs> so so it's, it's one of those things. Where, where people are starting to acknowledge you. Just as people are acknowledging Flopsy, I think Flopsy's had a little shift. He will be a lot more respectful than he used to be to Thunder, Thunderback. I think that moment where he, he was reconciling Saloni and had to come to terms with Thunderback kind of set a new tone for the two of them. And so as they're doing reports and as Flopsy is uh, using what's quite a – huge intellect to re recollect and offer suggestions and write out the paperwork. He would do all the paperwork for Reggie if Reggie didn't want to do it. He would be doing that quite respectfully and deferentially to Thunderback, knowing now what the watch means and what the watch does and has to go through. I think he shifted his opinion on uh, what uh, Volley might have been through to get to where he is right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean that there is a definite shift in in probably you guys as well. I, I assume there's a mourning period and some other types of things that are going on. Um, the a couple of other things happen as well. You are you are greeted one day as you enter the watch house with an invitation, an invitation to come to the Herald Bees Textiles Lounge. <laughs> oh, the lounge textiles. <laughs> Carol B. <laughs> Get suited and booted. Let's do it. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Do we need to dress up for this? Is it a- Dress up to get dressed up. This is proper. Well, I think so. Oh, okay. Alligator? Crocodile? Oh, Should we wear like crocodile? Some, some boots. Some crocodile boots. <laughs> Acknowledge the occasion. <laughs> crocodile crocodile pants that are flared. <laughs> nice. Uh, flared is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, do that. so you guys rock took up- me a while. <laughs> <laughs> you guys rock up to the Herald Bees Textiles Lounge and you are met with Urban Heraldly, who says, oh, it, it is you. I did not expect to ever see you again. I did invite you and it has been a while and I thought that we would our paths would never cross. It is uh, most fortunate. Come, come, come and sit down. I do have a reward for the heroes of the slaughterhouse, as people are calling you. Our sincerest apologies for uh, not coming earlier. We've been quite busy, as as you've heard. I know that you've been busy, and uh, that is, well, that is why I've called you here. It seems a couple of weeks ago, you were on patrol at night, and you managed to recover an item for me, a subsidiary company of mine called the Millers Milners had lost a package from giant silk spiders. Some very expensive silk. Happy didn't keep that one, eh? As a off the back of a truck, that one was. <laughs> as a token of my appreciation, I would like to create an outfit for you worthy of the noble men that you are. And also, I have this monetary gift. If you would accept it, I would not accept you not accepting it. <laughs> uh, thank Acceptable. You very, thank you very much, sir. But um, actually, the guy that there was a guy chasing after trying to get that package back to the truck that should uh, receive some sort of reward himself. Shh, well, am, uh, it's all right, Miles. We're fine, fine, it's fine, fine. Don't worry about it. Worry I about am it. unaware of who that is. Perhaps if you feel that he uh, requires recompense or reward, you might see that he uh, gets a cut of this. And he hands over a pouch with 300 GP in it. And, and watching Flopsy take all this and money. <laughs> inside that same pouch are three vouchers for you to get a noble's outfit made wow. for yourselves. Fortunately, I take charge. really bad notes and I have no idea who that gentleman's name was. If only there was some other record of what we do at this table. <laughs> I know. So, nine, nine nobles outfits. Three nobles. Three nobles. Well, a noble outfit, noble outfit could mean uh, a, a formal evening right the way through to silk pajamas. It's or- literally an item in the items book called Nobles yeah. Outfit. Oh, really? yeah, Luke wouldn't know that because it's in the player's handbook. So yeah, it's, can, it's, I, can I it's can essentially it, can it be whatever I want it to be? It's an outfit uh, worth 75 GP. Yeah, so it could be silk pajamas. Yes. It right? could, but normally yeah. it's for wearing to a noble event. No. Oh, a pajama so party. Pajama party, <laughs> eyes wide shut. <laughs> I, I can tell you now already you're what Miles is going to get commissioned. He's going to go, like, because he has a big trench coat that he usually wears. Yeah. Has then been turned into, a like, a watchman's coat. So, he's going to try and get, like, you know, like, the old English, I don't even know what they're called, but the old long 
The hounds dress tooth coats. dress coat, yeah. like okay. Sherlock Holmes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Reversible with leather on the other side. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what that is. And a big cap. But yeah, he's going to get that kind of like, you know. Like a Matrix coat. Massive buttons, you know, gold buttons. and Yeah. yeah. Okay. A mass or massive? <laughs> massive gold buttons. Massive, massive gold buttons. Yeah, like Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it? Like a hip hop. We do love yucking on your yum. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, he's so upset right he's now. The, it's the joy that was in his face right. when he—I can see that he, he was it. picturing he this in his mind. And it, and to be fair to you, Lindsay, that is a glorious picture. Thinking of Miles like that, and all that's happening is Luke's like massive buttons. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to jump on though. It's the top one o'clock. <laughs> Because he's always set to six o'clock because he's straight up and down no, with you. No, no, it's always set to bedtime. Oh, there's no sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. So, yes, Urban invites you to come back uh, over the next couple of days when you've got some time to measure up. Uh, he'd even do it now if you had time. So oh, yeah, I he, would, mind, yeah. he would get all of oh, your easy, requirements. Of the left. In my mind, the whole scene from John Wick where he's getting the whole. Yeah. Bulletproof, stab-proof, and all that sort of stuff going on. So, Well, no, this isn't- No, this no, isn't, no, no, I just like in my yeah, mind. In yeah, my it's mind. not the Kingsman's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> suit area, but it, it is it is something like that. But more importantly, and I think all of you have been waiting for this moment, the last few weeks have garnered you your most recent pay packet. So each of you receives 15 gold pieces Whoa. in pay for the watch. But That's you know what? Three weeks. Do you know what? The watch are not blind to how you guys went out, and there is a bonus in there. So you can each get another 2GP. Oh, hang on a second. Do we need to write a receipt? Is this taxable? <laughs> Tax has already been taken out. Right. Uh, the city guard. Now, you guys you yes. guys piss on that all the time, but I took the time to go into the player's handbook and look at how much other people get paid. It is usually in silver pieces. Like a lawyer, a top-class lawyer- yeah. Gets paid 10 GP. You are on a very good wicket here. That is not a bad wicket to get paid 5 GP a week. It's all on my perspective. It, yeah. Yeah. With perks, I think you're finding. There are some perks, yes. Um, I think just, you've broken but, but, even from all the potions you've used. <laughs> um, Do I have to split it? This. <laughs> I would like to, as soon as I've gotten that pay, I would like to go and try and send another letter- to my family. Okay. And I would like to enclose 10 gold Ooh. in that parcel and pay for secure delivery to it. Sure. And I'm, yeah, I'll just like tell them what's been going on, tell them about the loss of a friend and, you know. Did we ascertain what the timeline was from where we started? No. Okay. As far as we're aware, we've just traveled through space. space. Yeah. It, it yeah. certainly yeah. seems like the technology here is very different. But we've kind of passed that off as like it's a place we've never been to. And it's a just more like cosmopolitan this, town. It's just as it is. Yeah, yeah. But even you do get the feeling that you might be out of time as well. You do get that feeling. The more that you've been here, the more that things work, you do feel like uh, the passage of time has changed. Miles is refusing to acknowledge that Yeah, because he just can't fathom that with his family. So he's just – he's trying he, – he – it's entered his mind and he is blatantly ignoring it and just hoping to get a reply and, you know. Yeah. Right I, now I can hear thousands of men listening to this podcast just nodding. And women too. Understanding 
Ignore, ignore, ignore. <laughs> Compartmentalize. Oh, yeah, okay. right. just the men, just the men. <laughs> yes, yes, there's a problem, but if I don't acknowledge it, it doesn't exist. Yes, correct. Mm. <laughs> Can I ask another question over that period of time? Yeah, sure. Flopsy is going to daily try and figure out what that circlet that was around mm-hmm. uh, Viner's head might be. So the, they have actually identified have that they? circlet. So you would have probably been with the team that went through. Yeah. And they've, they have put it under lock and key. It's really one of those things that they're- Oh, we don't get that as a they, reward. They have realized the power um, of that circlet. That circlet is a, a cursed item. Is it? That essentially, once you put it on, you can never take it off. But right. it does give you power over a certain metal that it is controlled. And this one is really linked to the Watchman's badge. So this was Ooh. created specifically to take Watchmen and so discontent in their brains. Some of you know all those stories that you were hearing about the Watch being corrupt, doing the wrong mm. thing. They have really pushed it back to that circlet. Right. So the, the circlet was a form of mind control, which I think he was trying to do to you at one point, Reg. That's correct. Yeah. So and and that's what what Jorick was talking about that he can yeah. control minds is that within a close distance, obviously it had a really powerful effects, but over a period of time. They, you understand that he could enter people's thoughts and brains and slowly over a period of time change the way that they were behaving. I, I kind of see it like, you know, that Amnitaville horror, you know, the dad in the Amnitaville horror. You guys, any of you familiar yeah. with that? Guy moves into a haunted house and over a period of time, living in the haunted house becomes the serial killer that or the murderer that was in that haunted mm. house kind of okay. thing. So he slowly goes crazy. And that's, that's kind of what this does. And it was all being controlled by that circlet. That mm-hmm. Thunderback, for some reason, was able to resist it. Well, the that's, that's the note. And that's what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. whether or not, uh, whether Thunderback was resisting or whether or not he just wasn't trying with Thunderback because of their previous history together. So there is, mm-hmm. there is an open question there that probably can never be answered now. Good it- work, Reggie, with your big slaps. <laughs> Bitch slap felt across I mean, the nation. <laughs> if Justin really wanted to kill us, he would have mind controlled old Miles. Misfortune, everyone. <laughs> yeah, true. Hey, I sleep struck everyone. I, th- I just assume every morning you just sleep strike everyone in misfortune them and get it out of the way. Oh, that's not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea. <laughs> thank just you. Five thank more you. minutes, please, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Fully cackling. Um, the, uh, I guess, is there, Reg, is there anything that you would pursue over that three week period that, that you like, what, how would Reg spend his downtime there? Cause really, uh, un, other than your watch, um, kind of duties, you, you have the time to yourself. So do you think Reg would pursue anything specific or? Well, I mean, usually when, when Reg is having trouble struggling with his emotions, he throws himself into his training. So maybe he would have had a little look around the fighting pits yep. and, uh, kind of, uh, made contact there, see what the go was kind of thing, and maybe picked up some, I don't know, formal, informal lessons from any any instructors or masters in the area as well, that kind of thing. Just yeah. kind of picking up new techniques and stuff like sure. that. Just in preparation so, for level up. <laughs> so you, I, you would probably like you- I would assume that at night, part of your daily ritual is maybe to go down to the fighting pits and to ask around. 
slowly but surely you meet some people who train there and you start to become recognized and uh, while they're not le- allowing you to go into the fighting mm. pits there are dojos or um, schools of fighting that you can visit that are associated yep. with the fighting pits on the fringe or on the the satellite kind of area of the of the actual fighting pits they're not part of the fighting but people train there to go they're kind of the little league so yep. there is you you found like a, a league of kind of fighters who train and then you win that bout, you go up to the next league, you go up to the next league, and then you finally make it to the pit. So you can definitely start to meet, ingratiate yourself into that world a little bit more. Um, And and you're starting to make friends, well, not friends, acquaintances Mm. at this point. You probably wouldn't call them anything more because it's only been three weeks. And of that three weeks, you probably spent maybe one or two of them finally getting there. But you've got an inroads to that world at the moment. Cool. What about you, Miles? Is there any anything in particular that uh, that you would be doing? Do you go and visit the dwarves from Grundenar? Hey, man. No. Um, he probably wouldn't have gone to them at this point. To be honest, he probably would have kind of gone a bit into himself and, uh, and you know, probably drank a little bit more than he normally would and a lot of quiet reflection and just trying to figure out where, what he wants to do with himself. Sullen teenage Miles comes out. Kind of like you don't know me, man. He's you know from it's a long way from home from his yeah. simple little farm life. Yep. Where he's getting bullied to you know what he's been doing in the last couple of weeks. So, um, just like is this his life now? And that's why he would have sent that letter off again yeah. and gone. Hello, <laughs> please. Just some kind of connection to his to, previous yeah. life. You know yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And yet. Lots of talking to Tippy, just trying to form a bond there as well. So. Over that period of time, I would think Flopsy would be trying to, because he's trying to recognise the acquaintances he's got, his companions. He's always called them acquaintances. I think he's trying to figure out now that they're friends, um, spend more time talking to them. So he will spend some time with Miles, I think, trying to have a drink with him and talk to him about what's going on. He'll talk about around the ideas of leadership and that you you were a leader in your family and there's leadership required here in the watch. There's leadership that we need to drive us forward and, you know, um, we've all got a place and, and we've got to grow into those places. Those places aren't – we don't fill all of those spaces at once that we have to step into and grow into them. Subtle kind of – just back of the hand, slapping you with some of that kind of wisdom sometimes, but, you know, it's more intelligence than wisdom as it comes out. He'll also do a little couple of walks past the far- Pathfinder hut, but he won't muster the courage to actually go in just yet. I think he wants to – he's got something to reconcile inside the lodge, but he can't quite figure out how to do that. Just He doesn't have the emotional tools yet. And the the to give you an idea, the, the Grand Lodge here is the centre of Pathfinder's in all of Galorian. So it's not a tiny little thing. Like it is, it's actually a massive spire that is hundreds of feet high. Like it is major. It's like a castle with huge walls around it. So it's a huge complex. Think of it like Hogwarts almost. Yeah, right. So it's it's a really massive thing. And it's and it's its whole little organism within Absalom Center itself as well. The um the, 
it's it's interesting you talk about the idea of relationships and spending time because one day when you're walking back into the barracks where you're where you sit you you notice there's a note on the floor of the door at the actual barracks the the note itself is written in a, a very flowery handwriting and it smells um very strongly of ladies perfume and on the front of it it has Major Miles McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I opened the letter. You um, opened the- Miles, yeah. there's a- fancy, Miles. Miles, there's a note here from uh, young Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> he wh- takes a whiff off. Oh, I think I know who this will be from. Who do you think it's from? I'm trying to remember her name. Kelpie. It sounds like- <laughs> Kelpie, that horse face. <laughs> <laughs> Who, which lady? Tell us. Tell it's, us. It's, it's, it's rhymes, rhymes, rhymes with vagina. vagina. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> That's all I remember too. And it smells like vagina. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, you open it up to reveal an invitation from you by a lady named Jandasha Troon. Huh? And she introduces herself in the in the letter and reminds you that you might know her from when you came to the brick house investigating the murder of her friend, Sarandi Croven, and that you spoke to her at the reception desk. Yep. And she, uh, she has invited you over f- for a meal so that she can get to know you a little bit better, Ooh. especially now that you are an important officer of the city guard, a major and all. Ooh. Is Miles reading this out to us? Yeah. So yeah. I just kind of picture me, me and Flopsy kind of like, you know that scene in um, Civil War where Rogers kisses um, the CIA the, the CIA agent yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. the, the like, winter soldier ca- and Parker in the car kind of like yeah. just laying on that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. And like kind of knowing like, yee. I, I imagine you guys like stealing the letter and <laughs> holding it really, li- Reg, instead of holding it high, holding it near the floor. This changes Miles' mood completely around. Cool. Uh, Miles, it says here that if you don't turn up, you might like to shit a brick. <laughs> should <laughs> be a noble garb, eh? I was, was going to say, should I wear my new outfit? I reckon you should, me. Yeah. Got well, it is in, in two nights from now, your invitation happens. And you guys are kind of, this is probably the, the scuttlebutt around you. And eventually uh, Thunderback says, what's all this then? Or do I try and steal a major's uniform? Uh, Sergeant Thunderback, may I please introduce you Major Pain in the Arse over here, Miles McCarthy. What do you mean, Major Pain in the Arse? Well, it's going to be somebody's pain in the Arse. Well, <laughs> Miles goes beet red. <laughs> oh, ironic. Yeah. <laughs> you mean farm red? Oh, God. Yeah. I guess you would tell the story. And Thunderback, while while he's giggling to himself, you can you can tell there's an undercurrent of Thunderback not being very impressed that you have introduced yourself. Like, you guys probably would have told the story to Thunderback like it's a hilarious thing that he keeps talking about general and major and, you know, all that kind <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and he just he just shakes his head. He's got, you, you should be careful there, boy. That's not, not a good business. Sarge, it's not even a Commodore in the watch. It's a name. Duty. <laughs> I, I'm fully aware of that, uh, Flopsy. And he, he he's tapping his pipe on the on the the heel of his boot again. And you see, he leans back in his nice uh, leather chair and his tobacco smelling office. I've always wanted to go into Thunderback's office. I just like think the uh, the smell of that and the idea of that sounds really nice. And he says to you, "Well, it seems that uh, that you are really the heroes of the watch because you boys have drawn some attention from those people in high places. 
Now, I'm not saying that it's not well earned, but just don't forget your commoners like me when you're given the orders. Seems you've got yourselves an invitation with the brass. And if I'm not wrong, I feel like it's got something to do with those damned pathfinders. Anyway, get yourselves some nice clothes. It seems like you're attending a ball in a week and a half. And he flips you each uh, a letter um, and the envelope, which is sealed in wax with no seal or crest on it. Um, you open the invitation, you break the seal, and inside it there is an invitation bearing the mark of the open road, that symbol of the pathfinders, and that's what it's called, the, the mm. open road with the yep. star above it. You each are invited to a formal ball hosted at the Pathfinder Grand Lodge in a week and a half from now. It's expected that you will be in full full formal attire um it I'm is pajamas then. you you are not you're not representatives of the watch at this point in time they're inviting you as civilians but mm. as heroes as well miles it looks like you're gonna get two balls taken care of in the next week <laughs> oh. Oh. so and yeah yeah the, i mean that's that's really the event so and this happens over the course of three yeah. weeks mm. amongst I, I you guys to, doing other things. to captain are you married? I, well, I was married, Miles. I'm not married at the moment. Oh. Are you proposing <laughs> to the captain? Oh, no, I was hoping you'd had some advice. <laughs> Maybe I don't want some anymore. <laughs> What's on your mind, Miles? Oh, just as I was going to say, I've got this lovely, lovely uh, lady date thing <laughs> <laughs> going, and I just uh, I was hoping you'd have some advice for me. Uh. Well, my first- I've never courted a, a lady before. My first piece of advice for you there, Miles, is probably don't call it a lady date. <laughs> it's probably not what you want. My, my only advice for you is uh, just be yourself. Do what you can to, to be natural and be very open and honest with the person that you want. I can't really speak to, to being a man of the ladies myself. That's not really the way I work, but- uh, I can say in the partnerships that I've had in, in the past, we've always put together a, a time where we can be ourselves with each other. I don't really know who I am right now, Sarge. So much has changed in a short amount of time. Uh, that's growing up, Miles. How old are you? That's a good question. You look all of, <laughs> you look all of 12 to me. It's like uh, I've been around for a long time. Twenty summers or something like that. Twenty-one summers, something like that. You've, I've got it written down somewhere. You really are at the infancy of your uh, of your life. Just take this moment, enjoy this moment for what it is. Because if nothing, the past three weeks have taught us, life is fleeting, and you've got to take the happiness where you can. Well, no, life is fleeting, and then you get raised as a weird zombie creature. Is what I've heard. Twenty-one. It says right there. <laughs> it's weird that you carry that card in your wallet. <laughs> Well, it also says I'm six foot four and 190 pounds. Anyway, I will take the, your advice on board, Captain. No, I'll try and be myself. Um, got a question. Anyone what? know where Piara is? Anyone seen oh, her around? He's like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wasn't in the watch. She was in the night watch. I understood. Yes, I just, it'd be lovely to just pay my respects and make sure she's okay. We couldn't find it for a little well, you, while. Well, you know that Piara has, she's taken a desk job essentially. Desk job in another in, district. In, in the head office. Yeah. So she's gone into town hall, taken a desk job. She's she's given the life of type, the, the adventuring life a, a bit of a miss. She's taken up bureaucracy, I see. Um, 
Flopsy would pop in and try and visit yeah. and cultivate, you know, keep that relationship alive. So what he's trying to do is find people in different quarters of the city, find people that he can connect with and people who might now or in the future be able to offer him some information. Yep. The um, You do get an invite, uh, Flopsy, to an alchemy meet. So it's like oh. a, it's like I, I, I assume this is for alchemists, like a, a swap meet for oh. people like me who like toys. Yeah. Um, and Ooh. you are you are invited to uh, to a swap meet of alchemists brewery. He will put the potion in the basket and <laughs> <laughs> head on off to the alchemy meet. Yeah. The is it potion. friends? Yeah. And this is, I guess, this is a relationship that you cultivated with a couple of wizards mm. a little while ago, yes. um, as well as something that you you have taken some time to revisit that as well. You've talked about that before about going yeah, through going back to the district, to and pop in and to the docks and, and try and write their people. book together. Yeah, and we, yes, um, yeah, Flopsy, we should um, probably be trying to make some inroads into the Black Ross. Of course, yes, yeah, right? heaps of information in there. We should get to it. How do we get a Bloody invitation inside. Well, we were, if we're rubbing shoulders with the big wigs in a couple of these oh. little events we're going to, we should probably start trying to find out if we can make some inroads that way. Might be worth get behaving at that thing then. Yeah, I think this ball might be our key to get into that. Which ball? You reckon? The, the ball. The, the Pathfinder one. Pathfinder Society. What? The one we've been invited along as cities. Oh, the invitation to the- Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. I would imagine there'll be a lot of people there that probably either at least know, if not some of the Black Ross lot will be there, surely? Absolutely. You know what would make a good impression? Miles, do you think you could play your conch for them? <laughs> I'll start practicing. <laughs> I'll dance in my silk pajamas. What'd you get? Seven. <laughs> Can I eat him? That's so funny. Yeah, very well done, Miles. Yes, yes, yes. Good. good. Seventeen. Hey. Woo. <laughs> yeah, only one note, though. <laughs> as soon as you go to change notes, you lose it. Two nights after the invitation arrives, it's a, it's time for you to go on a, a bit of a date, Miles. She gives you the address. You've got yourselves all all prepared. What are you going to do to prepare for this? Okay. Night? He's not going to go in his full noble outfit. He yeah. is going to have gone out and bought something a bit closer to what he normally sure. wears, but like a farmer's <laughs> not a quite up overalls. As farmers kind of like you look like, but you're from the Come On Eileen. Yeah, a bit more, a bit more, a bit more his. Kind of a normal attire yeah. outfit kind of thing, but just, you know, clean. Smart. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you going down to something about Mary Root before you go in terms of your prep? No. Right, okay. I was going to ask that one too. <laughs> Cleaning out the pipes. It's going to get the woogie on. So, And then I'll get some flowers. Okay, so you go, stop off, you pick up some nice flowers. You're going to take anything else? Because it, it is a dinner at her place. <laughs> I will take Tippy. So you have Tippy on your shoulder. Wine. Get some wine. Get some wine, mate. Take some drink. Okay. Okay, sure, sure. Um, pick up a nice bottle of wine. Okay. So you uh, you eventually walk through the city. You pick up some really nice flowers. You pick up a nice bottle of wine. You've got yourself in these new clothes. So a, a carriage drives past you, hits a puddle. And you, it, just, <laughs> it, it narrowly misses you. You step out of the way from that. And you eventually get to a house and you're standing on the stoop of the house waiting to knock on the door. The tension and the excitement, the anticipation is all palpable. And you, you raise your hand to knock on the door when all of a sudden you hear a noise from inside, sharpening your senses. You can hear a rhythmic 
pounding sound and a man moaning and grunting from inside the house. And then you hear the sound of a woman in panic saying, oh, please don't, you don't have to do this. I don't want you to. You, you can have anything. Just don't, don't just stop, please. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing at the uncomfortableness of this entire scenario. Please don't, don't, you don't have to do this, please. I um, put on my biggest watch voice and go, this is a watch, we're coming in. And I try please, and kick down please, the door. Help, Can we just take bets on what help. we're going to see? And she, she starts yelling, help, help me. Can I misfortune the just, door? The whole time you can just hear like a, a pound, pound kind of sound. 20 to kick down the door. You raise your boot and you smash straight through the front of, of the door. The door cracks open with a bit of the hinge flying from it, wood shattering and splintering all over the floor. And as you enter the room, you see two figures on the floor, one kneeling over the top of the other. You see John Dasher, her hands bloody, performing CPR on an elderly man who lies prone and bleeding on the floor. Upon that seeing you, she looks at it and says, please, can you, can you help him, Moyles? Can you help him? And we'll see if you can next time. Oh, well, he's already asleep, so you can't do anything there, right? <laughs> and it's already seems like he's got some misfortune as well. <laughs> what you got left? Cackle. Well, no, I'm trying to see what's... I would have just had the same spells at this point. <laughs> You're going to get down on that man too? He's going to go, like, because he has a big... What? <laughs> Why did you stop that? Why did you stop? It wasn't because he has a big and then you stopped. It also wasn't that he stopped. He stopped with both of his hands I over know, right? his chest <laughs> like he was He's got a big voice, is oh what he was about God. to say. He's got a very large... Never work with animals or children. Song ability. <laughs>